You are slipping into a distorted dimension. Reality and fantasy are changing places past the event horizon. Bullies are victims, men are women, and abuse is love. You weren't here just yesterday. Reality is still out there. But to find your way back, you have to notice it. And now, the Disaffected Podcast with Joshua Slocum. Welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. This is Disaffected on audio, recorded on February 13th, 2022. And today we're going to talk about why the world in the West is absolutely the worst for black people that it's ever been and it couldn't possibly get any worse. Because we all know that's true, right? It's worse than 1950. It's worse than 1900. It's almost as bad as slavery. Well, that's what you'd think from all the carp belly aching about oppression that doesn't actually exist or the emotional inflation of rudeness into something called racism. Let me start you out with this meme I saw on social media today. This this is an example. And it reminds me of... It re, I don't remember what the technical name is for the people who subscribe to this belief system. Um, the, the sort of African nationalist, that's probably not the right word. One of the... One of the ways they described as the hotep people. <laughs> I know they're not all hotep. Uh, but the people who believe that, well, they're African supremacists, right? They're usually black Americans who say things like, we were kings and queens and we were taken away and enslaved and we invented this and we we had math before you did and we had this before you did and we did everything before the white people and all those people in Egypt, they look just like us and et cetera, et cetera. No, you weren't kings and queens. You were peasants, you were subsistence farmers, and you were hunter-gatherers like 99.9999% of all human beings who have ever lived. The sin against your ancestors was not that they were queens and kings who were enslaved and brought low. The sin was that they were human beings who were enslaved and brought low. So I see this meme. I'll describe it for you because, of course, this is, um, this is audio and you can't see it. So there's a picture of a black man, maybe 40 years old. And to his right is a picture of the front of a box of dishwasher detergent, Cascade brand dishwasher detergent. Okay. Black guy, Cascade detergent. Here's the text. In 1987, Dr. Dennis Weatherby received a U.S. patent for his invention, a liquid stain-resistant lemon-scented dishwashing detergent known today as Cascade. Okay, so we had a gathering today that I was going to say, the disaffected community had a gathering today, but then I'd have to do myself in the voice. So let me stop that. Financial supporters (laughs) 
and me had our monthly Zoom gathering today, which we do. And if you want to support us, um, very easy, any level, even if it's a buck a month, patreon.com slash disaffected subscribestar.com slash disaffected and you'll get an invite to our an invite to our zoom hangouts so we had one today and i i put this in front of people and i didn't prime them and i didn't preload their expectations i said i want to show you something and i want you to tell me please what you take from it i showed it and to a person they all said well apparently this guy invented cascade dishwashing liquid because that is in fact what this meme means to imply well, I saw it on social media and I responded to the person who shared the meme and I think it ended up being the meme creator. I'm not exactly sure, but I think it is. And I said, you know, Cascade has been around a lot longer than just 1987. And, you know, most people 35, 40 and under, I think would know that. And I remember the commercials from the late 70s when I was a kid. Cascade leaves dishes spotless, virtually spotless, sheeting action, Right. Cascade detergent for dishwashers has been around since 1955. Dr. Dennis Weatherby did not invent Cascade. Apparently, because I went and looked it up, he did change the formula or he added a formula in 1987 when he was working for the company that uh, combined some uh, different stain lifting things with a lemon scent in a way that hadn't been chemically possible before. Okay, interesting, great, he improved the product. But he didn't invent it. And this is the kind of thing that you see all over the place. Did you know a black woman was integral to getting, you know, people to the moon or this, that, or the other thing? I don't even know which of these things to believe anymore because I see so much of this exaggeration. And the person who shared the meme, um, I can't blame him or her completely because I was a little bit snotty. <laughs> I can hear you all gasping. Josh, you were snotty? Um, I'll just call him he. He reacted to me by saying, you didn't understand this and it just goes to show that you don't understand and you just wanted to mock young people, blah, 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 blah. Well, I kind of did want to mock young people. I think I said something about, you know, don't try to explain this to millennials because as you know, nothing existed before the day they were born. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's true. You know it's true. And... You know, I said, you know, the problem here is that this is misleading, right? It, it, it's clearly designed to give the impression that this man invented a product in 1987 that we all, that's a household name, but he didn't. That product really, truly was around since 1955. He invented a new formulation for it. And I'm trying to be generous here, but really? Who cares? Who cares that this chemistry guy invented a new way of combining lemon scent in automatic dishwasher detergent? I mean, really? This is this is what <laughs> this is your modern day kings and queens. <laughs> I mean, for goodness sake, it's not really that remarkable, is it? Um, and anyway, that conversation didn't go anywhere. Well, so Okay, so this is my toss-off uh, to get you interested. Let's talk about some things that are a little more serious. I'm having this cup of, can you smell it? It's English breakfast tea. Mm. A little disappointing, though. I looked in the mug. There's no tomatoes, no mushrooms, no sausages, no bacon, no toast, and no eggs. So 
I don't know. I think I'm going to have to go back and speak to the manager about this. It it has been mislabeled. So, um, this week we are learning that Joe Rogan is responsible for every bad thing that ever happened on the face of the earth to black people. Um, you may recall looking at the media that people have put together a reel of his media appearances where he uses the n-word or he allows other people to use the n-word they just want to they want to destroy his career they don't want this guy to be able to speak about things that are not approved by what some people call the cathedral of institutional legacy media i think the cathedral is a michael malice term not sure about that i'm sure one of you will correct me if i'm wrong um, this popped up on CNN today. Let me read you. Where's the headline? Um, eh, I don't have the headline. So, oh, oh, yeah, here it is. <laughs> Joe Rogan's use of the N-word is another January 6th moment. Is it? Is it a moment? We having a moment? Let's pivot to that moment, shall we? January 6th. January 6th, 20. 21, or what the media and the left like to call the violent insurrection at the Capitol, although the only lethal violence perpetrated against another person was a D.C. police officer who shot and killed Ashley Babbitt. Um, they need they they have been trying since this happened. I mean, what it looked to me is like mass trespassing and some vandalism. Not okay, illegal. Not an insurrection, not violent, not a coup, not any of these histrionic things the left needs to make it into. But they have been trying. They're trying to make it, this is the worst thing that ever happened on American soil since (laughs) 9-11. How long until, how long until some Democratic presidential administration literally makes January 6th a federal bank holiday? I'm surprised they didn't try it this year. Maybe they will next year. So here's the headline from CNN. Joe Rogan's use of the N-word is another January 6th moment. I already told you that. Okay, so I'll read you the first couple of paragraphs. The podcaster Joe Rogan did not join a mob that forced lawmakers to flee for their lives. He never carried a Confederate flag inside the U.S. Capitol Rotunda. No one died trying to stop him from using the N-word. But what Rogan and those that defend him have done since video clips of him using the N-word surfaced on social media is arguably just as dangerous as what a mob did when they stormed the U.S. Capitol on January 6th last year. (gasps) Yes, that is one very long run-on sentence because we don't need to be competent writers anymore and we certainly don't have copy editors. Back to the article. Uh, This is by somebody named John Blake. Rogan breached a civic norm that has held America together since World War II. It's an unspoken agreement that we would never return to the kind of country we used to be. That agreement revolved around this simple rule. A white person would never be able to publicly use the N-word again and not pay a price. That's it right there, isn't it? There's a couple of things to say about that. Number one and the most obvious, no. This alleged agreement is not what has held the United States culturally together since World War II. That's absurd. 
Number two, <laughs> you can see what he wants, right? What he wants is for Joe Rogan to pay an extortionate price. Let us agree, for the sake of argument, let us agree that Joe Rogan, any instance of Joe Rogan saying the N-word, and I'm going to say again, I hate the fact that I can't actually say this word because that I'd, I'm in romper room. As I'm talking to you right now, I am in kindergarten and I'm in romper room. We are held to romper room rules because it is now religiously forbidden to say that actual word. It has It's a magical incantation now. We can't even refer to it. I have to just assume that everybody gets it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Why do you want to say it so bad? Why do you want to say it? See, you want to say it. Shut up. Go back to the Bay Area and sit on a hypodermic needle. So people want this, the use of this word, because what they're interested in is power. They're interested in cultural power. They don't actually care about Joe Rogan as a person. They don't actually care that he used the N-word. This is just a cover for what they really care about. And what they care about is getting alternative media, popular alternative media that asks questions and makes statements that are not allowed on MSNBC, CNN, ABC, CBS, NBC, or any of them, New York Times, even the Wall Street Journal, they want him gone because he has millions more viewers than they do. And people are starting to wake up to the fact that the press constantly lies and has been constantly lying for decades. That's what they want. So they are using this because they know the N-word triggers emotions and they need you the viewer or the listener, they need you to be at a certain emotional pitch so that you start agreeing with them. John Blake is angry that Joe Rogan has not paid an extortionate price, and he wants to make sure that he does have to pay that extortionate price. That's why he wrote this. He'll give you a couple more from the article. Once we allow a white public figure to repeatedly use the foulest racial epithet in the English language without experiencing any form of punishment, we become a different country. Punishment, punishment, foulest racial epithet, foulest, foulest. Which is it? Who are the most put upon people? Who are the most oppressed people on earth? Is it blacks or Jews? Which one? Hmm? Some days it's blacks. Other days it's Jews. Mainly it depends on who is standing up on a digital soapbox and, and crying crocodile tears. <laughs> Next sentence. We accept, we accept the mainstreaming of a form of political violence that's as dangerous as the January 6th attack. Well, I'm going to agree with him, but not for the reasons that he wants me to. Um, Yeah, Joe Rogan using that word is about as dangerous as the January 6th attack, which wasn't dangerous except to Ashley Babbitt and some furniture. <laughs> they don't even want him to be able to get out of this. This is what he says about Rogan's apology. And yeah, I'm sorry, Joe. Joe, you shouldn't have apologized. You shouldn't have. That's why they're still nipping at your heels. I hope you learn from this. So Mr. Blake says, 
Some might say that comparing a podcaster's moronic musings about race to January 6th is hyperbole. They will invoke cancel culture and political correctness. The man apologized, they will say, and he did. He called his comments the most regretful and shameful thing, adding, I know that to most people there's no context where a white person is ever allowed to say that word, never mind publicly on a podcast, and I agree with that. Oh, for God's sake, I need to go to a commercial break. I, I hadn't even read that full quote before I started talking to you. Joe, Joe, buddy. Uh, I'll see you on the other side of the break. Kevin and Josh work themselves to the bone to bring you dark and disturbing content every week. There are starving listeners overseas who get no podcasts at all. Show appropriate gratitude today by making a donation at patreon.com forward slash disaffected or at subscribestar.com forward slash disaffected. Do it for mother. Okay, we're back. Let me bring you something from the Department of This Never Happened, also about race relations. (laughs) No, let me be direct about black people complaining about something that doesn't seem very plausible. This story is from the LA Times. And before I even read you any of the story, let me give you the trigger warning that the LA Times put at the top of it. Warning. This story quotes several racist slurs allegedly directed at black workers at Tesla's California plant, according to a lawsuit filed against the company. Newspapers ostensibly for grown-ups are giving content warnings that (laughs) racist slurs were used. Read at your own discretion. This is, we're being babied. We're being made into babies. So, here we go. (laughs) The N-word and other racist slurs were hurled daily at black workers. I'm going to jump in. Yes, black is capitalized. (laughs) We're going to get to some other um, special for black people only uh, orthographic choices later in the story. The N-word and other racist slurs were hurled daily at black workers at Tesla's California plant, delivered not just by fellow employees, but also by managers and supervisors. So says California's civil rights agency in a lawsuit filed against the electric vehicle maker in Alameda County Superior Court on Thursday on behalf of thousands of black workers after a decade of complaints and a 32-month investigation. Tesla segregated black workers into separate areas that its employees referred to as porch monkey stations, the dark side, the slave ship, and the plantation the lawsuit alleges. Bullshit. That never happened. That did not happen. I don't believe it. This gives me an opportunity to talk about the concept of the burden of proof, which people have, well, I would say they've forgotten, but they've actually gotten it exactly backward. There are a couple of different ways that we use the concept of the burden of proof. Let's talk about first the legal way, then we'll talk about the cultural way. The legal relationship, the legal way that we use the burden of proof is the following. The state, that is the prosecutor, the person bringing the complaint, making the allegations, 
that person, the state, the prosecutor, the crown, whoever it is, the burden of proof is on that party. What that means is that we have to go into the situation seeing the allegations only as allegations. The mere fact that they were made should not move us into, oh, I think that happened, right? We're all going to have our private feelings about this stuff, and we're going to assess these things as more or less likely. But in a formal sense, nothing has been proved. The allegations are merely allegations. And the state has to show that they actually happened. If the state cannot show that, then they didn't happen for the purposes of the law. There is no judgment for the plaintiff. There is no punishment for the defendant. Now, the cultural way that we use burden of proof. We hear it talked about a lot with people who talk about understanding scientific reasoning. And there's a famous, uh, I'm not going to get it exactly right, but it's a close paraphrase. There's a famous phrase that says, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And that's something that we should pay attention to. But it depends on what we think an extraordinary claim is, doesn't it? And that's what's changed. We collectively have been convinced that what I now see as extraordinary claims are actually expected, normal, and ordinary claims. We see this constantly. When somebody complains that a man was sexist to a woman, the majority of people seem to believe it. When someone claims that somebody did a racism, we seem to automatically believe it. When someone claims that they weren't hired because they were transgender or they were some kind of queer, we seem to automatically believe it. And I think some of that comes from a cultural hangover from a time when these things were more believable. We do have a history of embedded racism in this country. Most countries do too. This is not a United States sin, it's a human sin. Within my living memory, it was common for companies to refuse to hire gay people or to fire them uh, if they were found out to be gay. And when I say common, I don't mean to say in the majority of cases, that's what happened. I don't know that, and I suspect it was not the majority of cases. I think that compared to today, it was much more common. But I don't think most homosexual people were routinely fired. But it did happen, and we didn't have any legal protection for it. It is true that women didn't have the vote for a long time in this country. It is true that black people didn't have the vote. It's true that Jim Crow laws were there. Some of the there are some people alive still who really genuinely did experience embedded kinds of discrimination from the government and from private industry. But it, but it's sort of like the idea that a lot of people on the left still have, and this described me up until five or six years ago, acting as if we had made no cultural progress, that everything was just as bad as it was in 1959 or 1962 or 1862. So a lot of my aversion um, until five years ago, my aversion to listening to people and considering a Republican or a conservative or even a religious point of view came from my early experiences when religious movements like the moral majority, 
uh, Jerry Falwell's um, coalition really did have cultural power in the 80s and, and to some degree into the 90s, although it waned precipitously then. And they were inserting themselves in legal cases and arguing against uh, the same legal and civil rights for gay people as other people enjoyed. And it was okay to, I mean, it's still okay. You can believe that being gay is a sin. It's not my business if you believe that. Um, you know, that's, you know, that's up to you. But that was used as an excuse to jump from the pulpit into the courtroom and the legislature and say, because my religion believes that this is a sin, I therefore get to restrict your secularly protected legal rights. This has not been the case for a long time. Your average Republican today is not an unreconstructed racist, is not an unreconstructed homophobe. And I'm going to go a little bit further. You, I don't care if they're Republicans. I don't care if they're conservatives. However you want to describe them, you want to describe them as right wing. I have friends who are conservative and or right wing who believe that homosexuality is a sin. They are still my friends. They don't believe that I am disgusting. They don't believe that my rights should be restricted. They don't approve of homosexual behavior. And this was something that I never was able to grasp when they would say, hate the sin, not the sinner. That's still kind of obnoxious and I still don't like it. But if you can take the emotion out of that and just think about it on its face, I have a friend named Tasha who is a conservative Catholic. And when she says homosexuality is a sin, but it's a sin like every other sin that humans engage in, I sin every day, she really means that. She's not saying it to soften me up and make herself look better. She genuinely believes that. She does not think that she or her husband are better people than me and sinless and that my homosexuality is a bigger sin than any other. And I've met a lot of people like this who are just genuinely decent people who have a different philosophical or religious point of view. But this kept me from listening to Republicans for a long time, and it kept me from listening to them and conservatives on economic issues, on cultural issues that I now agree with them on, because I had to believe that they were all the moral majority. They were all the absolute worst. Folks, this isn't the case. This is not your modern Republican. It's not your modern conservative. Sure, there are still people who are very, very, very conservative and right-wing religious fundamentalists, but you know what? They're allowed to be. And they're not driving our culture. They're not endangering me. They're not endangering you. Um, yes, yes, I hear you. Uh, you know, I'm sitting in front of a microphone, but I can hear some of you right now. I know exactly what you want to get out of your mouth. You want to say, yeah, but they're, they're going after abortion rights. Yes, correct. And I absolutely understand why you are fighting them on that. I acknowledge that that is real. Absolutely. But they are not in the cultural driver's seat the way they were in the 1980s. Public mood has shifted against them. So let's look at a couple more allegations in this article before we wrap the show up today. Of course, Tesla uh, denies the allegations. Um, but here are a couple of others. <laughs> Only black workers had to scrub floors on their hands and knees, and they were relegated to the Fremont, California factory's most difficult physical jobs, the suit states. Not true. Didn't happen. Did not happen in the 2010s. Sorry. No, I don't believe you. 
I don't believe that only black workers were ever made to scrub the floor. And if by some strange miracle that's true, what if it's that the janitorial staff whose job it was to scrub the floors happened to be majority black? Oh, I know, that's racism too, right? Because why aren't they in upper management? The only reason could be because they hate black people. Only one. More allegations. (laughs) Graffiti, including... KKK, that is Ku Klux Klan, go back to Africa, the hangman's noose, the Confederate flag, and fucking N-word were carved into restroom walls, workplace benches, and lunch tables, and were slow to be erased, the lawsuit says. Think about your workplace. Think about the workplaces you've been in over the past 20 years. Have you ever seen KKK or Go Back to Africa carved into the lunch table? Do you believe this? And if you do, why do you believe this? Why does this sound to you like, yes, this is what it is like in advanced technological companies in 2022 in the United States? This is ludicrous. This reminds me, what was it, a year or two ago when a black NASCAR driver claimed that he'd gone into the garage for his car and there was a hangman's noose in there and it turned out to be just a rope pulley? Are you going to believe this shit again? (laughs) A statement from Tesla. A narrative spun by the DFEH, I guess that's the uh, the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, and a handful of plaintiff firms to generate publicity is not factual proof, Tesla's blog post said, adding that the company provides, quote, the best paying jobs in the automotive industry at a time when manufacturing jobs are leaving California. (laughs) Well... I'll just continue with the story. The lawsuit comes in the wake of Tesla's billionaire chief executive, Elon Musk, moving the company's headquarters from Palo Alto, that's in California, to Austin, Texas, where he's building a major new assembly plant. The state's lawsuit suggests the relocation to a state known for looser enforcement is no coincidence, declaring it to be, quote, another move to avoid accountability. Fuck these people. Fuck the DFEH. Fuck the Civil Rights Office in California. This is naked targeting and exploitation of public mood. I don't believe this. I think they, of all places, of all places, a brand new ultra-modern electric car company, of all places in California, you think black people are treated this way in 2022? I, I, I just... I just can't even believe this. Where's one other thing I wanted to see? Oh, of course they claim. Not only were Tesla's black workers subjected to willful malicious harassment, but they were also denied promotions and paid less than other workers for the same jobs, the suit asserted. They were disciplined for infractions for which other workers were not penalized. Yeah, no, they weren't. Um, Here's the kicker. In an interview, DFEH director Kevin Kish said the lawsuit is the largest ever brought by the state for racial discrimination in terms of the size of the affected workforce since the agency gained prosecutorial powers in 2013. Aha! 
This is an agency that needs to justify its existence and the powers it was given. That's what happens. Watch out, folks. The state is not your friend. All right, that's enough for today. Thanks for joining me. Um, This has been Disaffected. See you soon, folks. Well, hello, listener. It's Mommy again. You're quite welcome for the fine program. Why don't you show some gratitude? Send Mommy some money on Patreon, patreon.com slash disaffected, or subscribestar.com slash disaffected. You wouldn't want Mommy to starve, would you? And if you don't love your dear mother, you're not invited to find us on YouTube, Rumble, or Odyssey for our hottest weekly content. I guess this is goodbye forever.